This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics and we promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Anya Vysotska, founder at Rooted. Anya, welcome to the BNCFS podcast. Thanks very much for having me. Awesome. Thank you for coming. It's great to have you on the show. Okay, let me set the stage for everybody. Anxiety. If this word doesn't tell you anything, lucky you. So many people on this planet are familiar with anxiety. Essentially, it's a fear of what is about to come. It's a dread over something you anticipate. Sometimes your feel of anxiety is justified. On many occasions, it is not. And what is worse, it triggers a panic attack. But there's a way to calm yourself down to be able to deal with it. Today, Anya will tell you a story of connecting her panic attack and anxiety relief mobile app rooted with a million people who needed help to deal with these issues. But first, as always on this show, uh, before covering the story of the app and uh, the path of getting connected to over 1 million people, let's talk about you first. Anya, please tell us about yourself. Well, I am a Polish-Canadian. I grew up abroad, living in different countries. My mom was a math teacher, so we traveled and moved around a lot. And I went to university in Vancouver in Canada. I studied international relations. I love to run. I love to work on projects that destigmatize mental health. And yeah, I have a really personal connection with Rooted and why I started it. Now, when I know that you lived in Vancouver, I envy you. This is one of the places on the planet that I really like to live for at least for a few years. Vancouver is one of the... <laughs> places probably even better than Barcelona in Spain uh, or or kind of on the same par <laughs> for me that's very it's very beautiful it's, it's very, very beautiful, beautiful the one thing was it rained it rained so much <laughs> so you have to kind of either have an escape plan for the winter or just have a lot of self-care practices like uh like an app like rooted really so to help you get through the winter months Oh, got it. Uh, okay. Um, now let's talk about the story of Rooted. Uh, how did it start? Uh, please tell us about the genesis of the app. So I was in my fourth year of university when I experienced my first panic attack. And I really didn't know what a panic attack was before then. I thought that maybe when people were experiencing something like that, they were just overly stressed out. I couldn't mm -hmm. relate. And I was extremely surprised as to the sensations I was feeling in my body. When I asked a doctor about it, they said, no, you're okay, which led me into even more questions to figure out, okay, well, right. what just happened? And I really didn't have any resources. I didn't have a family doctor. I was on student loans, so I couldn't afford traditional therapy. I was far away from home. You know, I was there on my uh, own studying at university. So I really struggled and it became really debilitating for me. So fast forward a few years, I learned a lot of different tips and techniques to help me understand anxiety and where it comes from and really just learn to manage it 
in my daily life. And that is the premise of Rooted. At the time, there weren't any apps on panic attacks. It was more like hypnosis apps or apps that were very medical and mm -hmm. nothing that really spoke to me. So that is how and why I started Rooted. You know, uh, when you said that, that there was no app like that uh, at this moment, um, it really reinforced for me the idea that for some reason, uh, even so many concepts, so many ideas were realized, were, uh, were, um, were used to build, an app, build apps since 2008 when the App Store was launched. Um, so many, I know, photo filters, uh, calculator, calculators, financial apps, games. So a, a lot of ideas were uh, really were um, used to build an app before uh, many essential things, when many things that are more kind of a, um, profoundly useful for us, like an app to help you to deal with anxiety, where you don't have anybody here to help you. Uh, and your smartphone can be that thing that can actually help you to deal with this very um, complex problem. The for some reason they they didn't they didn't come into people's you know a whiteboard to develop an app, and the store like your uh, kind of a what I would expect somebody would create an app out of necessary out of necessity to help herself or himself to deal with it. Um, that's a personal experience, with, which leads you to create an app that is so useful for so other people in the world once they have it in the app store, they can download it. Mm -hmm. And now, we all have our phones on us mm -hmm. at all times. So it just really, you know, it really made sense to me. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you uh, managed to launch the project. Um, yeah, I, I, I wish the circumstance was way better and it mm -hmm. was for you just, you know, academic interests, just, you know, probably like a psychology prof professional out of, uh, out of um, you know, curiosity for a project, but that's life. Uh, on many occasions, apps like that created out of uh, desperate need for help. Mm -hmm. Now, I would assume the road for the, you know, to reach the first million of users wasn't easy. You tried many things. Uh, let's focus on stuff, on things that did actually work for you. Now, I watched your talk at the APS London 2022 conference several weeks ago, and I saw you were highlighting uh, six things specifically that worked. So let's walk the audience here through all of these, starting with the first one, which is focusing on a niche. What is all about? Yeah, so when Rooted first launched, the main focus was on panic attacks as opposed to anxiety. Even though there is some overlap, you know, a lot more people are actually looking for support with anxiety than they are with panic attacks. However, that's a much more higher volume, higher difficulty keyword. So because Rooted was so specific with panic attacks, I was focused much more on that niche of panic attacks. So we started ranking highly within that small niche. And then over time, as we started adding in more tools for general anxiety, that's when I started incorporating the keyword of anxiety as well. And so you can kind of see in that chart that I shared in the talk, the mm -hmm. ranking for panic attacks was high pretty much all along and then increase, increase till we were number one. And then the ranking for anxiety started really low, but over time started increasing again to the point where we're number uh, three for anxiety in the States. 
which is our biggest market and where we're most focused. So that is what I mean by focusing on a niche. Right. And uh, this is, we can kind of um, uh, make a case um, holistically for any app developer creating an app. There's always, um, there's always this kind of a fork between going uh, to your specific niche or going broad. And uh, obviously when you're going broad, you're reaching out to a bigger audience, bigger market, but the competition is greater. When you go into the niche, it's the opposite, but you're not expecting to reach the you know the same um, scale so many users that fast, but um, the idea of the app, um, the audience you're trying to reach um, makes a difference. So um, um, yeah, I, I totally see. Like um, generally, you should th th think about it this way. Um, Things that, that that show up, they they come up in people's life more often. They have a greater demand. They have a bigger audience. They have a bigger com uh, competition. Like you said, with anxiety, people do experience it. More, unfortunately, um, quite often. Mm -hmm. Luckily, panic attacks are not hitting them that 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 often. So that's why you have the difference between going broad or going niche. So in your case, you started with a niche and reach your first audience and then started to expand it broadly, right? Yes, and I think that's a, one key point there is that as a bootstrapped app, it made a lot of sense for me to get users who are downloading the keyword and they're getting what they searched for exactly. Because I think mm -hmm. sometimes the mm -hmm. risk when we go too broad is that people download the app and be like, well, this isn't what I was looking for. And they're not gonna leave the five-star review. They're not gonna recommend you to friends and family. And being getting reviews and being recommended is huge for a bootstrapped app. So that's another reason. Yeah, I would focus right. on this so, niche first. So you're aiming for that situation when somebody is uh, just uh, pointing this his finger or her finger on the screen. That's the app I'm looking for. That's it. This is the exactly. one. Exactly. Yep. All right. Next up is engaging the app user's base. So what is it? What, what was about this point? So again, as a bootstrapped app, this was largely me really just going on social media, engaging with people, different accounts on Instagram and Facebook groups, you know, that talk about anxiety, talk about panic attacks and sharing some tips and tools and information from Rooted and then engaging with those people, commenting on posts. I was really doing like, it took a lot of my time, but slowly but surely those followers started to come back to Rooted's page, started following, started working on more and more content for that. And in addition to social media, I also kept up with responding to every single user's app review. Mm -hmm. A lot of the reviews that came in about the actual content in the app were five-star reviews. So I was so happy to see that and have that validated. But if there was a bug or if users were complaining about you know, the fact that there's a paywall, then I really relied on engaging with them and starting a conversation, hoping that they'll email me because, you know, it's kind of one-sided in the uh, app store. You don't really get to see who that person is. They have a unique username there. And I relied on that to kind of keep increasing that rating because people would sometimes change their rating from a one-star to a five-star. They had a great experience. And I learned that people really, you know, they want to be respected, of course, they want to be engaged with and they want to feel important. So I just did a lot of that through all different mediums. So that's what I meant by that point of engaging with users.
Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, it's awesome to have, you know, five stars reviews right away. But if you can fix a problem for somebody and he will go reverse 180 saying, I gave the app one star because there was a problem, but the owner of the app got back to me quickly, helped to address my issue. And now I'm just super happy. This is kind of an even more um, desirable situation. Um, when you can fix it for somebody and he will be even you know more um um loyal users to your of your app because of that situation definitely yeah um store submissions is what is uh next up uh so you in this uh point you were you were telling the story of how you sub submitting the app uh to the app store to be featured right? Yes. Yep. Using the promote URL. Oh, using the promote URL. Um, so um, you're saying in, inside the app or? Um, no, like what... so that's something that Apple just, if you look up like submit for feature app store, it'll pop up. It's just the URL that they use. So uh, they ask you questions like, what do you want to share with us? What's the story? And when are you releasing your update? Oh, and got it. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, so I continuously did those stories, but I never, I didn't hear back from anybody. And so naturally I got discouraged and I felt like, okay, I only have 24 hours in a day and I have so many things to do. Like, should I keep doing this? But I kind of read other people's blogs and I read, you know, different people who have been featured and it wasn't very clear always the indicator of what led to their feature, but they did say that they submitted stories regularly. So I just went at it every single month. I submitted a story. I always had an update going out and I always would try to tie it back to some global event or just something that could be interesting. And then sure enough, it took many submissions, but finally I did hear that call back. I got an email saying, Hey, Anya, one of our app store editors saw your story submission. And uh, since then rooted was featured multiple times. We've been app of the day in the US and mm -hmm. Canada, been featured in a number of different collections, had developer spotlight in the US. So these were really great for organic growth as well. And um, I remember discussing with somebody, with somebody on this uh, podcast before uh, a couple of years ago, actually. Uh, and that was um, when you're submitting your app to be uh, reviewed and featured by Apple, uh, if I remember correctly, you should have some um, materials, some graphics, some text in hand so they can use it for uh, featuring of your app. So that's if they true? actually, yeah, that's only if they actually want to feature you though. So Apple will let you know if they need images, otherwise they don't mm -hmm. ask for it right away. It's this amount of times that you'll get a feature based on your story submission, for me anyway, is not always equal. So I definitely don't prepare images every time. It's only if they get back to me and they say, okay, we're considering promoting you. It's never hundred percent. They always, you know, have the right to, to back out if they want to. So uh, it's, you know, they still ask you though, can you please prepare these images? Yeah. Got it. Uh, now this, the second, the next point uh, is sending a press release. I used to be part of an app marketing agency, just a quick story, in 2009, 2015, for six years. 
and press release was one of the um, one of the things that we uh, were selling to app developers to promote their apps. And I remember, I remember by the end of my time at the company, that tool was kind of a you know kept losing its team uh, year by year, month by month. And by now, I I I was under impression that it doesn't work anymore. I mean, it's still there. You can still order sending a press release, but the expectations of people when they're you know pushing their apps um, using like trying to connect their apps with users using paid acquisition, app store optimization, influencer marketing, whatever. The press release kind of a not in the radar, but apparently for you it did work. So how was it? Yeah, so I guess that is kind of funny that it did work. It maybe it sounds a bit more like a traditional media tactic, but uh, really it started off with just realizing that, you know, locally in Canada, where I was in BC, it could be a story, you know, that like the mm-hmm. often local papers want to feature local entrepreneurs. So that's how it Absolutely. started. And that was the first one I did when Rooted first launched and it got picked up by a few papers again, locally in BC. And then later on, I was just more so like, well, what's stopping me from going a bit more broad, you know? And so I, I engaged with a release distributor and sure enough, many magazines in certain areas are like, oh, we only cover local entrepreneurs, so we can't cover this, Mm -hmm. but best of luck sounds like a really needed app. And, and I just kept pushing, pushing and going. And then finally, yeah, more and more outlets covered it. Some of the bigger outlets that, you know, I shared there in the presentation, like Healthline or Time Magazine, they actually, well, Time specifically, I just got like an anonymous email sent to me being like, we just want to verify some facts. We're with time. Mm-hmm. And so I responded to the questions they had, and then I didn't hear back. And I tried to follow up, you know, like, hey, so what's going on? Are we going to do an article mm-hmm. or something? Nothing. They didn't respond to me. It wasn't until like months later that I found uh, Rooted mentioned in their article. So yeah, it, it all varies. I think that I never regretted sending out a press release. Sometimes the results were quite immediate. Even if it's like sometimes it's just a smaller blog, it's still you know, another backlink and another mention, and they do have their own audience, of course, and kind of like, you know, rule number one, the focusing on a niche, a niche blog is, is a good place to market as well. And then sometimes it would surprise me with really great bigger stories. So yeah, I've actually really enjoyed that medium. That's, that's great. I think it's a matter of uh, setting expectations to write for yourself as a developer uh some things like uh some apps they do address big issues some address small issues uh press release may still work it's just a matter of how much uh, engagement you're gonna get if this is something like in this case they have to help so many people i would assume you should expect that in theory if you find the right um, editor the right journalist whom her or his beat is to cover this kind of topic. He will be. He will get interested, or she will get interested, and in, uh, grab your top your app to make a publication. But don't be discouraged if even if your app isn't isn't addressing that big issue. It's just the outcome will be less, but it still will be there. It's just do not expect setting a press release about your app that is actually I don't know a calculator or a small utility. 
that is going to get you know on the same scale as an app that helping people to address anxiety that is a you know, worldwide issue so it still works in both cases yes, but the that's outcome true. will be different yeah yes the press releases weren't just about rooted being an app it was about how it relates to a global event or what it oh, signifies yeah. as well yeah sure okay moving on translation is next um as much as we like speak English, the whole world does not speak only English. There are other countries with other languages, other markets. And uh, there's a reason why there are so many versions, so many mirrors of the App Store and Google Play for other countries. And going international was always kind of on the to-do list for marketers who want to go broader when they feel there's a big competition within the market inside their country. And they still want to reach out more people to, and connect them with their app. So how was going the trans translation process for your app? Yeah, so I think again, might have done it a bit in reverse where uh, I actually started translating Rooted before I had any really hold over the local market that I was in, mm. in Canada or the US. So it started off because somebody sent me a World Health Organization article as a user in Brazil, and they shared, you know, all these stats about what's going on in Brazil and about how there's like a mental health epidemic at the time around anxiety and panic attacks. And the article shared some stories that I could just, the descriptions were so vivid, I could really relate to it personally, and it brought me back to that time in university that was so difficult and confusing. And... I just sort of took the opportunity and said, you know what, let's get this out in Portuguese. And it wasn't even necessarily with a marketing plan in mind, although by that time Rooted had grown enough that I would get the random odd comment, you know, on Google Play, especially with a user review saying, hey, this should be in Portuguese. So like I already had a few of those. So I knew that there was some interest. I saw, you know, online Brazilians were downloading Rooted. And that's how the first translation happened. So I actually worked with a translator online and then a friend, a Brazilian friend, uh -huh. uh, ended up helping me record the audio because I couldn't even at that time afford voice actors or anything. Now, since then, it's all been replaced. But yeah, that's how I started off was just, yeah, just finding resources where I could, right? Because I couldn't access uh, some of the more traditional ways of doing it. But the downloads in Brazil just really started taking off afterwards. It really didn't require as much of like a paid effort on my side. Uh, on social, I engaged a lot more with Brazilian accounts for a while, but that's kind of all I did to kind of get it started. And till today, Brazil and Portugal are significant uh, downloaders of Rooted. Awesome. You've you just given a really great hint for other developers even though you're in, you know, you're um, the reason why you're in at business to make money first, but this is not should be your sole goal to be in this business. So remember that you're helping people to fulfill specific needs. Uh, it's the um, like you know, making a profit. This is kind of a consequence of your effort of your wish to help somebody to either either trying to you know help to help to resolve the problem you had or just seeing some opportunity to fix something for somebody and when you're operating under this um, uh, approach and 
you can see that the same problem is kind of a global and you can actually, you can see the way how you can go international with your app, reaching out local people who will be helping you to um, not only translate people, but understand the psychology, the culture of that country, how better it presents your app, how not to, you know, be kind of a clunky, um, you know, American Canadian in a country where the app will be still useful, but not that useful because the, you know, there's a cultural difference. You had to adjust your app a little bit or more than a little bit. So reaching out people, local people who will be helping you to uh, guide your app through that process is really helpful. So that's a great hint. Help first yeah. and money will be your reward. One example quickly there for Brazil is, for example, the name of the main character, Ron, in the app. Uh-huh it just didn't translate well, apparently. And the Brazilian translator couldn't even really explain why, but he just said, Ronnie, it needs to be Ronnie. And I was like, you know what? I trust you. Let's go with Ronnie. So that's one example of like a cultural difference and something that, you know, you can't get from Google Translate. Yeah, definitely not, not there. You, you have to talk to real people who know the language and uh, will mm -hmm. help you with that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, onboarding. Um, this is the next uh, item on your uh, list of six. Did you manage to Did you manage to get it right from the first go? Was there any learning curve for you? I'd say definitely not. I'd say it's still an experiment till today. But uh, basically, what I did was move around the onboarding screens and the order of them, and sort of test different flows. How people should be first introduced to the app. Is it more text-based? Is it more action-based? So I played around with a number of different things and thankfully each time it got better because I think there's some time a risk where things are going well and then you make a change and it gets worse. For me, it incrementally improved. But the biggest benefit I had was when I actually moved the paywall closer to the beginning and it was a free trial paywall specifically. Mm -hmm. And I was really worried that people would get offended. I would get a bunch of bad reviews, but really there is a way to bypass the page and it is optional. You know, everybody that pays for the app really helps make it better, right? Cause that's where the revenue comes from to right. keep investing in the app and keep looking for more tools and keep updating it and making it better every time. So I was very surprised to see that very, very, very few people minded that at all. I had maybe uh, reviews that were around the paywall being there, like enough I could count on my hands, you know, like really not a lot compared to how much revenue ended up coming in and really helping me distribute it further. Right. Okay. Now, obviously having so many users, can you recall any stories about getting feedback, being praised or probably criticized for possibly not getting something you know, in the app experience right from the first go? Yes, definitely for both. I'd say the positive ones, like the reviews that share that Rooted has helped somebody improve their life. It's helped them go back to school. It's helped them go back to work. It helps them sleep at night. It helps them in their relationship. Those reviews are so amazing and motivating and they're really what yeah, what keeps me motivating when the day is long and hard and I'm up at night and everybody else feels like the rest of the world is sleeping calmly and I'm stressed and working, then I'm like remembering those user reviews, right? And I actually find it to be something uh, that we 
we give as a tip in Rooted is to start off your morning with some journaling or positive thoughts. And sometimes those user reviews are part of my morning routine because they are these positive things that are really motivating for me. And then on the criticism side, I mean, those bugs that I mentioned earlier, whenever there's a bug, like it's really hard to see because as a non-technical founder, like I did Rooted's content design, wireframing, marketing, business development, all of that, but I'm not mm -hmm. fully in charge of the technical stuff. And this is not in any way to criticize the developers. I just, you know, sometimes bugs happen and they happen in big apps. They happen in small apps. That's Absolutely. just a, right. a way of development, but it is really hard to then not be in control. You know, I have to rely on others for that one. So that's really hard for me sometimes. Uh, another thing is the criticism would probably be just the fact that there's a paywall at all. So sometimes we'll get a review and it says, this app is amazing. It's helped me so much, but there's some content that requires payment, one star. And I'm uh -huh. like, how, why, why, why are you leaving a one-star review that's going to affect our ranking so much? And anyway, so yeah, those are the stressful ones. Um, but the, the positive ones when people share how rude it's affected them is just unbelievable, like super motivating. And it if you want to see what I mean, yeah. you can go read them. They're so cool. I'm so excited that they exist. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, just as good as it gets when you can read that your that the your work actually help is helping somebody and uh, the reward is there. You can you can you can pick up their emotions from the from the lines they've they've left on the app store in the review. Mm -hmm. um, just a very quick thing you said about the bugs. Uh, there is kind of a, I think it's a statistical number, if I remember correctly. There's always one error for every 10,000K, uh, 10,000 lines of code. It's unavoidable. Mm -hmm. It's a human factor. Roughly speaking, every 10,000 lines of code will, will contain an error. And so it doesn't matter if developers sitting somebody, you know, in Cupertino, Apple's campus, or a small startup, statistically, people do mistakes, and there's always that mistake sitting in somewhere in this 10,000 lines of programming code. So just, you know, human factor. Androids do not program apps yet. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's so, good to know. I should see how many lines of sure. code. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Just, just remind us that we're human beings and, and the, as much as Apple tries to create uh, their, um, you know, the, and Google as well, uh, to create the process of developing apps, either less chances to make a mistake, it's kind of a mathematically not possible to narrow it down. So to kind of eliminate the chance of making a mistake. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, that was the last question to address the major topic at the table. And we're the second part of the show where I ask every guest uh, just a few quick questions. So the audience of this podcast may know these people a little, little bit better. So these are just uh, small, quick questions. And the first one goes like this. What smartphone do you have now? Have you been switching between iOS and Android or just iOS or Android all the time? So I have a iPhone 11 and I also have an Android phone, but it's more so, uh, it's more so just for testing for the app and it's not mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. personal use. I switched to iOS probably like seven years ago. And I am one of those people who just has not gone back 
I have an Apple Watch, an iPad, a MacBook. I'm very much iOS, uh, but I do have Android devices to test and make sure that Rooted runs well on them. All right. So basically, you're on the iOS side. Um, what was your first mobile phone? You know, in the era before uh, multi-touch uh, smartphones. Uh, it I mean, was a Nokia, and maybe you can help. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm just gonna say Sorry. the flip phones that that time frame. Oh, the flip phone. For a flip phone, so the first phone ever was a Nokia 310, the brick mm -hmm. one. And then in terms of flip phone, it was a Motorola Razor. All right, got it. Uh, now, imagine today you left your iPhone 11 at home for whatever reason. Uh, if you're out, what would be your, the most missing feature for you? Naturally, it would be rooted. And the reason for that is that a lot of the coping techniques that I still use are on rooted. And that's kind of why I created rooted. It's why I have it. Mm -hmm. But in case that's, you know, not the, not the answer that people want to hear. The other thing that I'm very reliant on is Google Maps. I used to just navigate my way around a city, a new place with no problem, but I think now I'm too reliant on Google Maps and I look at it all the time and I would probably get lost without it. You know, Google Maps is one of those apps that people uh, mention, I guess, the most. Uh, and there's a good reason for that. Um, on top of um, the number of apps people use on a daily basis, there are these five um, functions that apps uh, fulfill in our lives. Some social media, instant messaging, search for information, e-commerce, and navigation, maps. So maps is one of the top five uh, app categories uh, that you know so many people rely on daily basis. And yeah, I, I, I would put myself in the same camp, camp with you. Google Maps would be the one for me too. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, just um, a final question on this small set. Uh, what new app technologies um, are you most excited about thinking about it in a way wouldn't be great if my iPhone 11 could do that. Uh, could be software, hardware, not necessarily something more, something bigger, but something that would you know kind of adjust a smartphone better with your lifestyle, probably. So I think what excites me is the intersection between hardware and software, and like the the, the physical and mental aspect of using our phones. So mm -hmm. for example, different technology we have now around monitoring sleep, monitoring what we eat and how that's affecting our bodies. So also wearable technology like the yeah. watches. I find that really exciting right now. And I'm kind of brainstorming early some intersections of how that could also relate to Rooted and what Rooted does for people. So yeah, that would be what excites me the most right now. That's a really interesting concept. Uh, fingers crossed you'll be able to do something tangible from that. That's that's great. Thank you. Okay, before I let you go, just very final question, which will be this. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? So 
rooted is on all social media channels and the url is rooted underscore app and then for me personally i am on twitter and i believe my twitter handle is anya margaret one like the number one the digit one uh, mm-hmm. probably if you look up the rooted hashtag or something on twitter you should be able to find me but yeah it's anya margaret and my first name last name you could find me there on twitter and uh on instagram simply underscore rooted and yeah happy to always take questions and just learn more from people that are you know listening to a podcast like this i feel like you probably all have great ideas too terrific Thank you for coming and thank you for spending this time with us, Anya. Thank you. Bye-bye. Awesome. Thank you so much. And that was Anya Vasotska, founder at Rooted. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available at businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.